0: Totally Lit, a monthly podcast celebrating reading, writing and creating literature. I'm your host, Kai. Thank you for listening. Happy 2022. I hope everyone had a lovely break. I had some time off work, which included a mad dash down to Melbourne to visit relatives. I tell you, it was wonderful to hug my loved ones after being unable to cross the border for such a long time. I hope all of you were able to see the ones you loved as well. My guest this month is the super amazing Tristan Banks. Tristan tells stories for the page and screen. His books for kids and teens include Two Wolves, The Fall, Detention, the Tom Weekly series, Knit Boy and Ginger Megs*, a 100th anniversary book of brand new short stories based on characters created by his great-great-uncle Jimmy Banks in 1921. His books have won and been shortlisted for many awards, including a Children's Book Council of Australia Honour Book, the Prime Minister's Literary Awards... ABIA, Yabba, Koala, New South Wales Primary Literary Awards and Queensland Literary Awards. His new release for July 2022 is Cop and Robber, a crime comedy for ages 10 and plus. Tristan is a writer-ambassador for literacy non-profit Room to Read. He's currently working with producers to develop a number of his books for the screen. He's excited by the future of storytelling and inspiring others to create. You can find out more about Tristan's books, play games, watch videos, join his young writer's story school and help him try to change the world at tristanbanks.com. Hi Tristan, thank you so much for joining me on Totally Lit. No problem. Tristan, you're such a prolific creative, I don't know where to start. You're an award-winning author, an actor and a screenwriter. Can you tell me what first prompted you to become a writer?
1: I think it's just in you, you know. It's one of those things that I always just did, I think, I must have always had a bad memory because I remember as a kid, I used to write lists of things on a little mini whiteboard in my room of things to do and, you know, what time to get up, what time to eat breakfast, what time to do push-ups, what time to go for a ride. And I just had this sort of – these lists that I would leave myself. And then I think from a very young age, we had lots of books around. Um, I played lots of word games with my grandmother. My family were readers, not necessarily – sort of high literature kind of thing, but everyone was always reading something, um, always had a book around, and I grew up on TV as well, so I think I've always just loved stories, both um, seeing them, reading them, and creating them.
0: And you you write in a number of genres. Um, Do you have a favourite that you like to write?
1: I seem to naturally, and I used to do this when I was sort of writing short films as well, and then when I started writing other things for the screen, I would always sort of naturally move from um, comedy stuff to sort of thriller crime kind of stuff. Mm. And that's what I seem to do now as well, just over the years. I just gravitate towards those things. I think the thing about comedy and thrillers is that, they, they get the most reaction, I think, from the audience, you know, they from the reader. Um, they, they have a sort of physical reaction in you. So I, I think that's what I love to read. I love reading funny stuff. And it's hard to find a, a really funny book that makes your life out loud. But I also love thrillers that are just sort of page turning and engaging. And I sort of try to do that, but also try to create characters that kids can really hook into and and love and understand and care about.
0: And, And where do you get your inspiration from for your stories?
1: As with all writers, I guess the inspiration is really everywhere. You know, you find there are a couple of things, though, a couple of sources that I've identified that have been more consistent than others. Quite a few of my books come from news stories, so I might see a news story or hear a news story and it'll just stay in my mind and I'll keep returning back to it and think that's a really interesting situation for a kid to be in and then I'll start writing notes and then that will sort of evolve over time one of the books actually the fall was inspired by a a crime scene that I visited when I was on work experience with channel 10 news when I was in high school so it was about a news story but it was actually a news story that I had some personal connection to and I think that's the ultimate when I can create something that I think has really interesting story potential in terms of a plot, but I also have a really personal way into it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll be writing a book like Two Wolves for years before I truly understand why I seem personally um, connected to this story. I won't understand. It's just a feeling. I'm like, for some reason I feel like this is my story, but I don't really know why. And I'll just keep following that feeling and eventually I'll sort of discover ways that I have, you know, a personal connection to it.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think really when you're writing from that personal connection, that's how you connect with your readers as well, because they can feel it in your work.
1: Yeah, and it's also how you get yourself out of trouble as a writer. I think sometimes when I'm really stuck and annoyed, I eventually remember, oh, it's because it's not personal because this is too far from my own experience because I either haven't done enough research or I'm writing too far outside myself to really be interested. Mm. Um, And I really like, I love reading sort of personal stories, but I also love to write them.
0: I was interested on your website, I was reading about your uh, writing rituals and the spaces that you're writing. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit more about your daily writing routine yeah
1: I tend to get bored writing in the same place at one time I did 50 interviews with writers on my blog at one stage called the writers studio and I interviewed everyone from uh, Michael Gerard Bauer who's an amazing young adult writer to Toby Riddle who is a, um, a picture book author to Deborah Bella is an amazing middle-grade author all of these all of these um, incredible writers and they shared where they write and how they write and a lot of writers seem to write in the same place every day and that ritual is what sort of triggers their brain to say okay it's time to do work you sit down and you do the work and try not to be near a window because then you'll be distracted by what's outside the window um, but I get very bored very easily And so I find it difficult to just sit in one place. So I'm just as likely to be found out on the back veranda or in the bedroom or at the dining table as I am at my actual desk. Um, And then then even more so, I'm likely to be out at a cafe or at a library or writing outside. I travel a fair bit of the year and speak at festivals and in schools and things. So I quite often I'll be riding on a plane or in a hotel room or so, um, yeah, or beside the road. I'll be driving in a hire car to a school or something, and then I'll pull over to the side of the road and scratch an idea down. So I tend to I tend to write in lots of different locations, and that really suits me.
0: And you you do daily pages, is that right? Where you write every morning.
1: Yeah, I did The Artist's Way in about 1998, I think, and I you know got onto this idea of morning pages, of three pages every morning, and then I read Writing Down the Bones, Natalie Goldberg's book, and it sort of supported that idea of free writing, of filling up notebooks, of making mistakes, and these were the books that got me out of that thing of wanting to write fiction, mm-hmm. but almost being too scared to because I didn't want to mess it up or didn't want to write the wrong thing or I'd been writing for magazines and newspapers for years before that. And I sort of thought, and, and these were the books that allowed me to make mistakes. And uh, and I guess by, by doing that every morning, um, this morning I did probably five pages actually in my Morning Pages book. And it just tells you that you can write whatever doesn't have to be perfect and then later on you go and rake through all of that material and you find the good stuff.
0: Excellent and what was the first piece that you wrote creatively or was that something that started early on in life?
1: It started early on yeah I mean I have books from when I was in kind of year two and year four writing stories in a book I mean I quite often quote or or cite my teacher, Mrs. Bannister, who made us write in a book called An Anything Goes Book in fourth grade, um, I did write before that, but that's one that almost was an early precursor to the artist way and writing down the bones. It was freedom to write. And because it was the 80s, we didn't focus too much on, you know, sentence mapping and grammar and things. We just we just wrote wrote, and you're allowed to write for fun. And I feel like... Um, uh, Teaching and education seems to be coming back to that now for for sort of the early part of this century. There was real focus on, on putting all that um, logistical stuff of writing up front. And I think it took away a lot of the joy that kids could find in writing. And I think once you get that joy, you can then start to explore those other ideas. So, I, yeah, I would say that, that that Anything Goes book and a story called My Life as a Mars Bar were the uh, – the that was the story that I that I remember most from that time.
0: My life as a Mars bar.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was fascinating what it was what it actually feels like to be a Mars bar and get eaten by a human being. I was thinking um, it would yeah. be a
0: short life.
1: Yeah, it was, but it, but it, but the Mars bar. It strangely even after it's been bitten and tuned into pieces continues to live as it goes through the esophagus through the you know through the canals mm-hmm. so. Uh, Very ugly ending to that story.
0: (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Um, Literacy is such an important gift that we can give to kids. Can you tell me about the work that you do with the nonprofit Room to Read? Yeah. Um.
1: I read a book called Leaving Microsoft to Change the World years ago, and it was by a guy called John Wood who left Microsoft um, when he was 35 years old. He had a super high-flying job, and he'd been to India or Nepal, and he went up to a school and asked where all the books were and they basically didn't have any. They had a couple of books that had been left by backpackers, like up in a higher cupboard kind of thing. But they literally sort of didn't have access to books for the kids in this school. And he was so shocked and surprised because, like me, he was you know had lots of access to books as a kid and that was such a big part of your life. And so he went back to America and gathered thousands and thousands of books and flew them over and then took them up to the schools and of course they were in english the books and so since then um room to read has focused um first on building school libraries um and filling them with books in the developing world in about 10 program countries like nepal and uh, vietnam and cambodia and india and uh And then they sort of started realising that actually they they had all these buildings, but they really needed to give the expertise to be able to run the buildings. And so they started training librarians. And then they realised that actually they really want um, not English language books, but local language Mm. books. So they started working with local illustrators and uh, writers and funding the production of their books. And so it's been this whole journey. And I I was just super inspired by it. And I made a video with some kids about eight years ago, I think, in a school where I challenged some year five, six kids to raise $500 in a single day to buy 500 books for kids in Cambodia. And they did this challenge and we filmed it for YouTube and we put the YouTube video up and then heaps of other schools started watching it and they joined the challenge and they did their own crazy challenges like, you know, daring one kid in your class to be silent for an entire day like the really noisy (laughs) kid and um you know uh daring their teachers to kind of wear insane outfits and come come into the classroom and things and daring each other oh there were just lots of big challenges that um that were made during the day and they raised 572 dollars and then lots of other classes and And then that year, we ended up raising $20,000, which was enough to build a school library in Siem Reap in Cambodia. that's
0: exciting.
1: Yeah. So we've done it every year, and uh, we actually just finished up the most recent one, and we raised about twenty one thousand dollars again and so i think all up we must have raised about one hundred and seventy grand or something um working with australian authors and schools and you know doing these challenges throughout the year so we're doing it again in 2022 so oh, any uh, schools or teachers and it's called the room to read world change challenge if you Great. wanted to look it up
0: i can put the link in our um podcast notes to share with uh listeners Um, That sounds exciting. Um, I love hearing people sharing their gifts, you know, um, because reading is such an important thing for kids um, and can take them anywhere. So, yeah, I think that's amazing. And now, closer to home, you've got your Young Writers Story School. Can you tell us a, a bit about that?
1: Yeah, well, look... I feel as though writing can feel a bit self-indulgent sometimes and so I'm here writing these books and things and it's and it's a job that I enjoy but I also feel like there is some responsibility to also not only with the you know the engagement of the stories but outside of that to try and encourage you know kids to read and to write and Um, I always I've always got so much out of writing in my life solving problems that I have and just escaping I guess in the same way that reading can do and I've visited lots of schools probably I don't know a a thousand or 1500 schools or something over the past uh, 12 years or 13 years and um, I've done lots of workshops and talks and quite often I can't get to the places that people might ask me to go. I I can only do a certain amount of travel in the year and it might be in Western Australia, it might be in the Northern Territory, it might be in Tasmania, it might be overseas, places that sometimes I can't get to. And so I always had this idea that I would make this sort of story school where I would put down everything I know about writing in these short videos that people could watch and then there would be a writing challenge and then that would inspire them to to get writing. And uh, and finally, when uh, COVID rolled around and lots of speaking for the year was, was sort of um, uh, pushed back, I thought, this is the opportunity to do it. So I got a film crew and uh, I wrote all these scripts for 24 videos and we filmed these three or four minute videos and they each sort of focus on one as- aspect of writing. And uh you know, and I visualize it, so you know it might be writing outdoors, and so we've got you know lots of footage of me writing outdoors and how that inspires the writing process, and then an outdoor writing challenge for the people who watch the video, and then we might do something like um, become a casting director, and it's like, okay, so when you're writing a story, Um, imagine that you're the casting director who is trying to find the actor who is going to play the main role and then you've got it so there's a five-minute writing challenge to go and find a photo of someone maybe an actor that you really like who would be perfect playing your main role and then once you can visualize that person It tends to spark lots of other ideas. Mm. Um, And I do it around music, finding uh, a song that feels like your story. I do it around Google Maps and an Apple look around where you can go on and look around the location that you're setting your story, even if it's not right near where you live. And um, yeah, this sort of use of technology in the writing process and also the use of your own volition so that kids in classrooms, when they... When they do Young Writer's Story School, do these videos, they sort of really acting on their own um, impulses. They're putting a lot of themselves into it. And it also kind of mirrors my writing process.
0: I feel like I know an old writer who could benefit from some of those exercises.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I sort of, I try not to talk, I'd say they're probably sort of age 9 to 14, I reckon, suit the videos best. But I try not to talk down to kids, so actually, you know, lots of adult writers have been doing doing the course as well.
0: Now, tell me about Ginger Megs. You've got something that's just come out in, was it July this year,
1: 2021? Yeah. I do. Um, Ginger Megs is based on a character that my great-great-uncle, Jimmy Banks, created 100 years ago in 1921. And I have written the 100th anniversary book of short stories. And this has been a dream of mine to be able to write in that universe. Mm. I I used to when I was a kid. It was one of some of the first writing I did was doing sort of copycat ginger megs um, uh, cartoon strips and comic strips for myself. And my cousin would do his as well. And I was always inspired. Yeah, like I I used to read it voraciously and then my grandmother had stories about Jimmy Banks and this amazing life that he led off the back of basically making stuff up and drawing pictures and that I think seemed like the best job that I knew of of anyone in my family. I didn't get to meet him, he died in 1952. But I'd heard the stories and and they lived on long long after he died. And, you know, for 100 years, it's been in Australian newspapers. And so I sort of pitched to Miranda, his granddaughter, and Jason Chatfield, who's the current uh, artist, because there have been four more artists who have continued the strip after he died. And uh, I sort of said, look, I'd really love to write this book and I've written all these other books and, and you know, I could really see that a 100th anniversary book would be amazing. And uh, yeah, and they got on board and then Penguin got on board and we've got this beautiful full colour hardback edition of, of Ginger Meg stories, um, new stories. So it yeah, be it's amazing one of the,
0: to be able to continue that tradition.
1: Yeah, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of, I think, and and it's also best-looking book that I've um that I've written
0: I have to admit I did say to my nana that I was going to have you on um, and yeah. the podcast has moved up a little bit in her eyes Ah, uh-huh, really? because <laughs> um, a lot of the authors so far she hasn't known who I've been interviewing but she's she does know um about ginger Meggs. So she's like oh yes yeah. I know who that is so.
1: oh good yeah look I think I'm um, at the the Sydney Writers Festival launch for the book in May last year there was a man who lent over to me when he was drawing Ginger Meggs as part of the launch and, and he leant over and said I've been reading Ginger Meggs for seven decades and uh, I thought that was pretty <laughs> extraordinary which also puts the pressure on right if you're writing about a character that people have known that well for that long the pressure's on to get it right but um the feedback's been good actually
0: Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And I
1: I really wanted um, kids now to, because kids now don't read comic strips in the way that they used to, I I really wanted to introduce it to a lot of kids who, you know, may not have heard of Ginger Mm. Megs and, and have, you know, current day kids reading Megs as well. That was one of my goals.
0: But I think too, like I have fond memories of being in the library at school with the, like, the Garfield comics and the Foot Flats and the... There are kids that did read those style of comics growing up. um, And it's not as... um, Now it's more about DC and Marvel or that sort of thing, which is a totally different style of comic book. But, yeah, there are people that still want to reconnect with those more traditional styles of um, comics. Yeah, I
1: always liked the funnier comics like i always liked mad magazine and Mm -hmm. uh i never quite got into the phantom or into you know batman or anything like that and this this book is i guess more of a graphic novel rather than comic strips you know Mm -hmm. it's highly illustrated but um but you know there are it's you know they're, they're longer stories as well
0: and a bit of a stepping stone as children are developing um from Picture books through getting up to middle grade, you still need a bit of a, an in between as well. I think um, so. Where yeah, those those kids that are still um, learning to read, they still want good stories to read as well.
1: Yeah, and so many people are visual. I think we're finding that and circling back to that more and more with all the graphic novels that are coming out. That. You know, I, even as an adult reader, I recently read this biography of a filmmaker, Gus Van Sant, and it was highly um, illustrated with, with pictures and, um, you know, bits of his scripts that were marked up for for things that he was going to film and all that sort of stuff. And it was so nice reading something so visual. It was still lo- lots of text, but everything was illustrated. And I just realized how much I appreciate that, even as an adult reader.
0: Hmm. I have to be careful because my writing space is actually surrounded in comic books because my husband's a comic book collector. Um, right. So I'm imagining wow. them um, coming to get me now that I've said that I like um footrop Flats and Garfield better. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: okay. Oh, well, oh, that's good. good uh, creative visual space to be to be writing
0: in. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, we've got... Um, we just work in a little office here and half of the office is comic books and guitars and then the other half is my space, which is a little bit more um, traditional. And I'm okay. sitting here looking at um, Warhammer miniatures, a Lord of the Ring oh. miniatures, I should say, because my husband paints them. So I have a, yeah, a nice eclectic space to write in, yeah, which is good. good. Um, now... You've got something new coming up in 2022, a middle grade. Can you tell us about that?
1: I do. It's called Cop and Robber, and it's about a kid whose mum's a cop and his dad's a robber. And he spends half the week at each of their houses, and his mum's always asking about what his dad's up to because he's always doing dodgy things. <laughs> and he doesn't want to tell on his dad um, but he also doesn't want to lie to his mum and so he's always in this really tricky situation and these bad dudes come to his dad's house and demand um, hundreds of thousands of dollars that his dad owes them but his dad doesn't have the money and so within three days he has to pull off the biggest crime job of his life and he needs Nash to help him and so Nash has to work out whether he's going to help his dad and possibly, you know, help him get away with this thing, or is he going to tell his mum, which might mean that his dad ends up going to jail, and or you know, possibly uh, both of them get hurt. So yeah, it's a sort of um, uh, there's lots of comedy in it as well. So it's a kind of crime comedy novel uh, in a way, and yeah, I've really really enjoyed reading it. Um, it. It was an idea uh, writing it. Sorry, um, there's an <laughs> there's a uh, it came to me actually when I was driving up to a school on the Gold Coast one day and it just sort of struck me, this idea, this voice sort of came into my head about this kid talking about his dad always trying to give up on crime but he can't and uh, and the voice just came out and actually when I got to the school I read it. I was I was going to teach um, a workshop in writing crime for sort of Year 9 students and I read them the the pages that I'd written And the response was really positive and it led to this interesting discussion. And so, you know, over the years since I've noodled away at this story and finally it's sort of found its time to be written.
0: Mm. And that, even if you take out the cop and robber side of that, that's a challenge that everyday kids do face when they're in a a home that's um, one home with mum and one with dad. They're sort of always caught between... Oh, what do I tell mum? What do I tell dad about the other house? You know, so that's um, yeah, yeah, a real yeah. life and even, scenario for kids. Even
1: when you're in, even when they're in the same house, or like when the mum and dad are in the same house, it's that that challenge. You know, kids will play the parents off a bit against one another, or there might be certain things. I guess that you will um, reveal to one parent that you know they'll be okay with, that perhaps the other one won't. So, yeah, hope, hopefully, all kids will relate.
0: And and who's the publisher for that? For it's Cop and Robin. Penguin. penguin. Yeah, Penguin. Yeah. And and what date will it be released?
1: It's released at the beginning of July.
0: July. Okay, so we can look yeah. out for that. And yeah, and, and it's sort of
1: for um, the readers who have read my books, Two Wolves and the Fall and Detention. It's really for those readers. I think I really like writing into that space, that sort of you know upper primary, early high school when you're ready for something sort of, you know, bigger and darker with big moral conundrum at the centre of it. And, you know, it's a bit rich and layered, but it's also fast-paced. And, you know, for some reason, I really love to write those particular stories.
0: Okay, so I've got some quick-fire questions for you now, Tristan, um, just so we can get to know you a bit better. Um, Can you tell me your favourite book growing up?
1: I loved The BFG, and yes. also Paul Jennings, <laughs> Paul Jennings' Unreal was a favourite yeah, so as well. Yeah,
0: good. <laughs> and if you could be any book character, who would it be?
1: Oh, that's really tough. I really liked the kid. Oh, I can't think of his name now for some reason. There's a book called My Side of the Mountain that I had when I was a kid about a kid who goes out to the, the Catskill Mountains and has to survive for a year by himself. And uh, and I talk about this character in my book, Two Wolves, and the book becomes sort of a reference point throughout the book. Um, but, yeah, I, I would like to be that character who can survive out in the wild.
0: Are you a, a bit of an adventurer at heart?
1: Well, I am at heart, but in reality I would die really quickly out there. Um, so I like to kayak and I love mountain biking and I love getting outside and I love the beach and I love mountains but I think if I was actually out outside for a week surviving in the wild I would die. (laughs) So that's why I like to read books about that sort of stuff.
0: Is the the character's name Sam Gribbley?
1: It is Sam Gribbley, yes.
0: Thank Thank goodness for Google. Exactly. And what are you reading right now?
1: Uh, I'm one of those people who seems to I pick up one book and I get halfway through it and then I'll just ha- be in a different mood and so I'll pick up another book. And so I actually have, um, you know, four or five books on the go. I'm rereading Jane Harper's The Dry. Oh,
0: that's um,
1: great. I'm, I've been reading recently Morris Gleitzman's Always, um, which is the latest in his Once series of books. I, I'm listening to the audio book at the moment of Will Smith's um, biography after having seen the movie King Richard um, and I'm also re-listening to the audiobook book of um, The Body by Stephen King which uh, was turned into the movie Stand By Me and it's a book that I sort of read or listen to probably once a year I would say
0: I only just recently watched, they had um, Stand By Me on television on SBS recently and I watched it again I was like I need to get that book and read it Oh, it's
1: so good. It's in a book called Different Seasons. Um it's like a and Shawshank Redemption was in that book as well.
0: He's such a great writer, Stephen King. Although he's always a bit too descriptive for me. But. Oh,
1: he he does go on, doesn't he? It's a shame. Um but that's why his novellas are so good, I think. And that's why the novellas like the Body and Shawshank Redemption adapt so well to movies. They, I think they become his best movies because he's succinct and he, he tends to, um, yeah, tight, tighten things up a bit. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I've been a fan since I was a kid.
0: So if you could have five literary people to dinner, who would they be?
1: Oh, five.
0: Wow. It's a big dinner That's party during COVID.
1: I know. Well... Oh, uh, that's really interesting. Well, if I was going to say Australian writers, well, because I'm reading The Dry, Jane Harper would be good. Craig Sylvie would be interesting person to have. Um, I think, I, I don't know, I might have met him over time at different festivals and things. I can't sort of remember, but um, I, Morris Gleitzman, always, that I've been reading recently, is a fascinating character, and he always... Um, in, he's published with penguin too so quite often he'll be at events and things like that now I always sort of walk away with some little nugget that is um, interesting or useful for my writing um, so he would be a great character to have along who else would be would be amazing literary characters to have at a at a uh, at a party um two more you you we've had a good <laughs> chat <laughs> so um, i've made the a list a yay Woo-hoo. Um, and i actually uh I, if i can invite a few more i have um a, a, like a critique group that i've been meeting with over the last two years over covid sort of times um where every month we each share a chapter of what we're writing and we each read each other's chapters and then we spend 15 minutes on zoom um pulling apart that person's um, chapter and encouraging them and doing all that sort of stuff and the the writers in that group sarah armstrong and Zanny louise and leon tanner and deborah bella we actually haven't all ever been in the one room together in real life uh That's so it'd be interesting love, to have them you? come along too uh so yeah look it's it's a slightly larger dinner party um but it should be a good one. The,
0: the rules are relaxing. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can have more people. Um, yeah. But it sounds like it would be very stimulating. Lots of I good so. book chat.
1: I, I miss that from these times. I've I've appreciated not having to travel quite as much as I was before uh, to talk about books and things and to be able to do it, you know, from your living room. But I really do miss those conversations and those Close friendships with um, lots of other writers that you that you build at at festivals and events and things, and I, so I'm I'm looking forward to that coming back at some stage.
0: I've really found that's been my biggest support, coming from a aspiring writer to an emerging writer is the. Events and conferences I've gone to and the connections I've made, everybody yes. just sort of cheers you on, and um, those friendships are invaluable in your career. Um, I so think I'm so. Always happy to make more.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think writers in general are pretty like most of the writers I've ever met, I've really liked, and I think the children's and and. Uh, book community is particularly sort of supportive and selfless like people will really go out go out of their way to share whatever intel they might have in order to help you in whatever way they can yeah yes. i find that um, it's it's um that's a good good group of humans
0: that is definitely true now i have one last question um what advice would you give yourself if you would go back to the beginning of your writing journey
1: Hmm, I would say just keep on learning. I think at various times I um, have sort of, you know, you find yourself that you, you're relying on the same set of tools and trying to apply it to a different story. But I would say just to keep on, I certainly am happy that I've kept my morning pages up for 20-something years. I'm happy that I've continued to evolve and I think write better books and, you know, find a bigger audience. But I would say just never stop learning is really the thing because sometimes I, I can be so focused on just learning from the writing process and learning from the editor I'm working with when I really feel like sometimes I could reach outside myself and continue to read you know, more books on writing, continue to do courses, continue to try to write different kinds of things, even if it's just for the crack of it. So I think that that never-ending education and improvement would be the thing.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tristan. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your work. Can you quickly tell me your website for our listeners?
1: Yes, it's it's, uh, www.tristanbanks.com. So T-R-I-S-T-A-N-B-A-N-C-K-S dot com. And there are lots of um, videos there and there are games for kids. There are blog posts on writing. There's a create page. There's room to read information. So, yeah, there's there's tons of information there.
0: I saw a game called Exploding Chickens.
1: Yes, there is an Exploding Chicken video game because uh, Tom Weekly, a series I write, has a a book called My Life and Other Exploding Chickens. And there's also a Knit Boy video game uh, for my book Knit Boy about a kid with the worst case of head lice in world history. And it's sort of like a -a whack-a-mole, but it's a -a (laughs) whack-a-knit. And um, it's very fun and you should probably play it.
0: So fun for the kids and the young at heart. Yes, Um, exactly. And for those that are interested in checking out the Young Writers Story School, there's a tab on your website. Is that right for them to click through and check that out?
1: There is, yeah, and it's sort of made for young writers at home, you know, those keen kid writers who can't get enough and you want to inspire them more. And also for teachers in the classroom, lots of teachers are using it to improve kids' writing and to inspire them and to make it fun. Great. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we'll include that on the show notes and on our social media for everyone to check that out.
1: Oh, good. Thanks a lot, Kai.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. No worries. See ya.
1: Writing stories for children can seem like a very simple task, but there is a skill involved in bringing memorable characters and their worlds to life. Anyone can write a picture book, but not everyone can write a picture book that becomes a child's favourite bedtime story. The best children's picture books fire up their imaginations, evoke emotion and stay within their memories forever. Authors Online was created to provide aspiring authors the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to become a published children's book author. Our extensive industry knowledge will be shared with you and provide you with the basic principles behind writing for children, picture book publishing guidelines, and updates on the current market and publishing environment. And as a special offer for Totally Lit listeners, if you go to authorsonline.com.au, you can apply the discount code of LIT20. That's lit two zero. To access discount content at authorsonline.com.au.
0: GenreCon is the leading conference for genre writers. Featuring an impressive lineup of leading names in Australian and international genre fiction across a spectacular weekend of panels, workshops, and special events, 2022's conference is dedicated to you, the storyteller. From our keynote, Addressed to seminars, panels, writing time, pitch sessions, and even a picnic lunch, this jam-packed weekend is filled with awesome events to keep you inspired. Check out the schedule now to start planning your perfect GenreCon weekend, and make sure to secure your place in the action with a general admission ticket. The event is held at the State Library of Queensland on the 19th to the 20th of February. Links to GenreCon are in the show notes. Join us and find your tribe. So what's happening in 2022? After the excitement of um, me getting my book contract, I don't know what 2022 could top. That with. I guess I just have to keep writing and submitting, and maybe there'll be more. My first writing activity this year is GenreCon in February. I'm very excited that I'll be collaborating with GenreCon and we'll be interviewing a few of their presenters. So, February will have a few extra episodes for our listeners, so um, look out for those. Um, I'll also be attending a few of the events, so if you spot me at GenreCon, come and say hello. Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support the show by following us on our socials and sharing with your friends. Totally Lit is an independent podcast and I will be sharing a link on my socials to buy me a coffee and the link will also be in the show notes. It's a no-obligation opportunity for you to help support my little pod, Stay On The Air. It will help contribute to platform fees, etc. And please feel free to share your writing triumphs with me at totallylitpodcast at gmail.com or come join the Totally Lit Community Facebook group. I want to hear everybody's successes in 2022 so I can cheer you on. And don't forget to go out and read, write, create and ignite.